Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series in conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn, CEO Jeremy Kroll on GRC risks, strategies, in the future. This special five-part podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn. As president, CEO, and co-founder of K2 Intelligence Finn, Jeremy Kroll is responsible for charting the firm's growth strategy. With more than two decades of investigative and leadership experience, Kroll has led K2 Intelligence since its inception in 2009 through its growth into an internationally recognized firm with six offices across the United States and Europe, including its merger with the Financial Integrity Network in September 2019. Kroll serves as a trusted advisor and more complex problem solver to business owners, boards of directors, and C-suite executives, working with them to mitigate risk across the corporate and family office spheres. He advises clients on risk management as they pursue strategic investments, including cross-border acquisitions and multinational investments, and helps to navigate the changing physical and cybersecurity landscape in a way that embraces technological change while minimizing strategic risk. Over this podcast series, we will explore in episode one, GRC Explained, in episode two, GRC at Work, in episode three, GRC and Investment Community, in episode four, GRC at K2 Intelligence Fin, and in episode five, GRC Then and Now. It's a podcast series that I know you will not only enjoy, but get a lot out of. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and we have our premiere episode in my five-part series on GRC with Jeremy Kroll, co-founder, president, and CEO of K2 Intelligence Fin. Jeremy, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. Great to be with you. Jeremy, uh, many years ago, when I first moved into compliance, the entry level was, could you spell FCPA? Mm -hmm. And recognizing the bar was relatively low, my fear is many compliance practitioners have that same level of knowledge about GRC. They can certainly spell GRC. They may even be able to say what GRC means. But really, in the compliance world, uh, that's not something that they deal with on a day-in and day-out basis. So I was wondering if we could maybe start with a definition of what GRC is, explain it a little bit, and why should... Uh, not only compliance practitioners, but business executives and those outside the GRC subject matter expertise space focus on this topic. Tom, that's a a great analogy. And I often joke um, in in some of our areas of focus uh, related to anti-money laundering, a.k.a. AML, uh, there are many people that can't even spell AML these days. So I think you know, you've given us a long lens to look back, and FCPA was, was a law that was enacted in the late 70s, but it really wasn't something that people could spell until, um, and we'll talk about this hopefully later, uh, uh, multinational like Siemens gets indicted uh, for systemic corruption and bribery. And so all of a sudden, people begin to realize FCPA means something, and it is very enforceable and it's very real. So GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. And I think these three words wouldn't necessarily be all bundled together 
if you haven't been through a bad hair day. Um, in other words, governance is at the top, tone from the top, and what are people thinking about when they do business, when they invest, when they expand. Risk, something we all, frankly, have to calculate, assess, uh, analyze, and bet for or against. And that's just part of being in business, um, as well as uh, being, per, per se, in a regulated industry where there's enough consistent uh, challenges to a, a business model because of either ethical lapses, because of core practices. And you then put in compliance, which is essentially there to give that framework to make things repeatable. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, it's how can you share information, align um, your plans, uh, be able to organize your goals and, and really create an environment where you get more accurate, more effective insights to help you mitigate or manage risk because no business and no effort is going to be risk-free. So this is sort of the high-level explanation of what GRC means and how you spell it. Jeremy, many compliance professionals understand risk. They understand risk management. Some are a little more sophisticated in the life cycle of a risk management process. But you've used a term that I wanted to start with because I don't think they focus on, which is risk appetite. How does it start with risk appetite and how does it flow from there? I think if you look at the way uh, organizations have evolved, um, and, and now there is precious little time uh, to really experiment and, and figure out not whether something is going to go haywire, but it's just a question of when. It's really about resiliency. Um, to be able to start a business, uh, to grow uh, a business in this competitive world, you have to have a certain appetite for risk. Otherwise, you know, hang up your spikes and go home. So in this environment, being able to have that appetite, be able to take certain uh, decisions and whether that is a geographic expansion and going into a new market, going from investing in uh, people-based businesses and starting to pivot into technology, you're going to be taking certain risks as you either evolve or, or even transform the organization or your, even your team. So when you think about it in the sense of um, really business success um, and moving an organization forward, if you don't empower people, even at the most junior levels, to be able to share information and concerns, in effect, raise the flag, uh, and if you do not have an organizational design that allows the, the highest levels of, of the business to, to listen and have the information flow to them and react, you, you then quickly realize how um, an organization can lose its way, not because it's endemically corrupt, but because it loses sight of core values. It loses sight of the ability to share information. And so the gaps then begin to occur. And once that happens, Tom, it's only a matter of time until uh, things get out of control. And unfortunately, that's when most organizations will put in place compliance. Frankly, it's, it's after uh, something has gone awry and they, they have to course correct. Otherwise, they're out of business. 
Jeremy, I'm a recovering trial lawyer, and after I concluded my trial lawyer career, I went into the in-house world. I'm in Houston, so I've always worked in the energy space. In my first energy job for an oil field service company, I remember a, a fellow said to me, Tom, if I don't go offshore, I don't have any safety risk. I sit in my office, but we don't make any money. So it's not going to do any good for you to tell me that's too high a safety risk. We have to manage that risk. And that really uh, made a lot of sense to me. And then from there, we moved to real-time monitoring onshore, which ameliorated that safety risk, managed that safety risk, but also allowed that uh, engineer to uh, do the work he did and still make money for the company. So that's always struck me as a way to think through these risk management strategies. And I was wondering if I could use that to ask you to introduce what do you see as the components of a strong GRC program? I think first, Tom, it's defining what matters. Secondly, it's assessing those risks. Thirdly, it's once you have that plan in place, being able to monitor it, which uh, really leads to training and the constant reassessment, um, not just of the systems, but the people. Fourthly, it's um, not whether, but when there are failures, how can you quickly react and effectively remediate. Um, and so these are the really the key components I, I, I think matter the most, Tom. And again, it's not just written in a fancy binder uh, and printed on nice thick bond paper uh, and being able to publish these on your website. It's more importantly, putting it into practice. So if you're a senior in-house counsel and you're having a conversation as you said, with a engineer out in the field, he or she has got to know you feel their pain. You understand what it's like to perform in a high-pressure environment. You understand that you know they have their challenges being if it's in Indonesia or it's in Israel or it's in Italy. There are all kinds of realities you face in the field. So those of us sitting in-house or in the corporate center frankly, can never lose sight of what it takes to run a business or a department or take risks out in, out in the field. And, and that means all of these kind of comp four components of the, of the framework need to be agile. You know, they need to be absolutely printed and published. Uh, you need to codify them. But then you really need to think about OJT and how people can really inculcate and learn these different components uh, to fit the business needs and support the business, um, not tail wagging do dog, but, you know, really making the business more competitive in the process. Jeremy, I took a master class from the thriller writer, David Baldacci earlier this year, and he talked about your brand. And I thought I knew that a brand was, well, that's your image. That's what we stand for. And he said, no, that's not what your brand is. Your brand is your relationship for him to his customer, who is his reader. And it's more importantly, or more pointedly, it's his promise to his reader, I will deliver this product you expect. And it's all about trust. So I was very intrigued when you said that the failure of, or a failed GRC obviously can have a monetary penalty or lost revenue, but that's not the true danger. That's not the, the biggest risk. You see the biggest risk as loss of stakeholder confidence. You see the biggest risk as loss of that, that trust, that brand. And I wanted to ask you, 
Why do you feel a loss of trust is such a critical element for a corporation? Well, I'm not an author, um, although I have a artistic bent and, and, and a deep appreciation for those that are, whether they're writers or filmmakers or painters. And I think oftentimes we, over the course of millennia, treat those people as those that can see into the future. Um, why? Because they're, they're very present today. They, um, and I like to think of, of those of us in the, um, the GRC business, uh, those of us who have practiced in, in the law, uh, investigative law enforcement, uh, fraud, cybersecurity, we're, we're really good listeners if we're doing our job. Why are we good listeners? Because we're excited by the problem in front of us. We're excited to solve this complex problem. And so I think that when it comes to the brand um, in business services or in the B2B world, as opposed to the consumer, direct-to-consumer world where you know, the greatest brands that we all think about are consumer brands, whether it's a house of brands like um, uh, Vir- well, Virgin, I think of, and, and Procter & Gamble as completely different. You've got Virgin is on everything and Procter & Gamble is on nothing, but they're iconic uh, unto themselves as an enterprise or as, as, as products, individual products. In the business world, it's kind of boring, right? What's a brand? Um, you know, you can't get fired for uh, hiring IBM. I think the famous saying goes, that's not exactly inspiring. Uh, that's like coming from a, a position of fear. So the way I personally look at brand is it's an emotional connection between a service provider and advisor and, and their client or prospective client. And when you look across the table and you, the client, have a, a really squirrely difficult problem, uh, by definition, the fact that you're calling Tom Fox or Jeremy Kroll, it's because you couldn't solve it yourself. You need help. You need someone to come in. You need Red Adair to put out that burning well. And so that's a very pivotal moment. And I think to agree with Baldacci, yes, a brand is built on trust, but it's not monolithic. A brand is very much about the dynamics and relationship between two people. So when we build our business and we, we build out our products and services, we know we're relying on subject matter experts at, at K2 Intelligence Fin. And we know that those experts have to gain the trust of the client, be it a corporation, a financial institution, or a regulatory enforcement body. So we, we think about it in those very humanistic, basic terms when it comes to brand. Jerry, could you... Tell us a little bit about the companies or industries that you see are focused on this, and are there tools to help them manage and navigate this risk? Absolutely. Um, well, you, you talked about your own experience in the oil and gas sector, and I think sectors that have become highly regulated are certainly examples of where over the course of years or decades or, or uh, a century, uh, because of either safety issues or issues of um, corruption, uh, there are, by definition, lots of rules, lots of regulations and, and effectively enforcement actions. What, back to your point about FCPA, has changed so dramatically since the late 70s is an intensive focus um, by 
Western regulators, enforcement agencies around uh, ethics and compliance and the importance of governance and oversight for businesses, recognizing that increasingly the private sector is in charge of or controls more and more of critical infrastructure around the world. And whether that is in the telecommunications and technology arenas, uh, aerospace and defense, heavy focus for us um, is certainly financial services. And so in a post-September 11th world in the West, the emphasis around countering illicit financial activities to reduce the threat of terrorism became the absolute clarion call uh, for many of us in, in, in professional and uh, public service, uh, but certainly for financial institutions to wake up and they could no longer sit on their hands uh, and kind of do nothing around how they were dealing with know their customer, know their third parties um, type of risk and combating money laundering is no longer just about reducing the threat of drug trafficking. So in, the, in this particular field of GRC, financial services is um, a place where there is a massive amount of innovation going on. Almost as soon as you had fintech, you had reg tech and comply tech. Normally, you know, regulation and compliance takes many, many years, if not decades, to follow the speed of, of, of business and, and investing. I've never seen it happen so quickly where technology coupled with regulation trends, coupled with compliance trends, has led to you know, such innovation. So certainly the expansion of professional services is, is dramatic across the legal, accounting, consulting worlds. But when it comes to the injection of technology and different um, data-centric businesses, we're seeing a, a, a real high-velocity growth trajectory right now, both for in-house purposes as well as external purposes uh, for third-party use. Jeremy, we uh, unfortunately are near the end of this episode, but it looks like we're going to be able to take some deep dives into areas uh, that really flesh out what we've been able to talk about in this first podcast. Uh, before we leave, though, I was wondering if uh, our listeners wanted uh, more information on any of the topics we've talked about in this podcast, where could they go? Well, it's funny that you should ask. Uh, we do have a domain a website, www.k2intelligence.com. And we were very fortunate to be able to merge with the Financial Integrity Network, a.k.a. FIN. Uh, their website historically uh, is at www.finintegrity.com. So thanks for asking, Tom, and hopefully we'll get some new visitors from this podcast. So, Jeremy, uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Likewise. Have a great one. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn, CEO Jeremy Kroll on GRC risks, strategies, and the future. I hope you will join us again for another episode. This special five-part podcast series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to visiting with you again.